Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This podcast contains graphic content and may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. True North True Crime is produced on the territories of the Coast Salish people. A critical issue in the vast Canadian landscape lingers, the absence of an alert system for missing vulnerable adults. This missing element leaves a concerning gap for families of people living with complex intellectual disabilities such as dementia, fetal alcohol syndrome, or Down syndrome. Families dealing with aging parents or loved ones who go missing with conditions like these are often left to deal with the aftermath alone without the help they desperately need. It's a glaring issue that calls for action and unity. Imagine a Canada where a well-structured alert system responds swiftly when a vulnerable adult goes missing, a place where their stories end with hope and reunion rather than heartbreak. This is an issue that all Canadians should delve into, urging a collective promise for a brighter and safer future for all. In today's episode, we will be detailing a case of a missing vulnerable adult in the Toronto area. His name is Nathan and he's an adult who is living with Down syndrome. He has been missing since May 12th, 2023, and his loved ones are desperately seeking answers to his whereabouts. This is the case of missing 37-year-old Nathan, and you're listening to True North True Crime. Hello, everyone, and welcome to True North True Crime. Thanks for joining us. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. And if you've been with us for a while, thanks for joining us again. If you have a case suggestion for us, please send us an email to truenorthtruecrime at gmail.com. We do prioritize cases that come to us from family members or from close contacts of those cases, but we are happy to receive suggestions from all of our listeners. If you'd like more True North True Crime, you can subscribe to TNTC Plus on Apple Podcasts or on Patreon. For just $5 a month, you'll get early access to regular episodes. All episodes will be ad-free. And of course, you have exclusive bonus episodes waiting for you right now as we speak. All right, let's go ahead and get right into this week's episode.
Okay, so in this episode, as I mentioned in the intro, we are talking about the disappearance of a 37-year-old man named Nathan. Now, you may have noticed that we are only using Nathan's first name, and that is intentional. As Nathan is a missing adult, there are privacy concerns at play, and his family is choosing to only use his first name, as are the police, so we have opted to do that as well. Nathan is an adult living with Down syndrome, and at the time of his disappearance in May of 2023, he was 37 and living in the Toronto area, but Nathan was born in Kitchener and grew up around the Waterloo region. At the time of his disappearance, Nathan is described as a 37-year-old male living with Down syndrome. He is 4 foot 6 inches tall and weighs around 170 pounds. He has brown hair and a full beard and mustache when he was last seen. Anyone with any information about Nathan's disappearance or who knows his whereabouts is asked to contact the Toronto police at 416-808-2222. You can remain anonymous by calling Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. And uh, the organization Please Bring Me Home also has an anonymous tip line at 1-226-702-2728. We put today's episode together using publicly available news articles, and we were lucky enough to be put in touch with a member of Nathan's family, as well as a close friend of his to help us get to know Nathan and the conditions surrounding his disappearance. This episode includes content regarding people living with Down syndrome. If you would like more information about this topic, please go to the Canadian Down Syndrome Society at cdss.ca. Kitchener-Waterloo is situated in southwestern Ontario, approximately 100 kilometers or 62 miles west of Toronto. It's part of the Greater Golden Horseshoe, one of Canada's most populous and economically influential regions. The Kitchener-Waterloo area is known for its strong and diverse economy. It has a rich industrial history, particularly in manufacturing, but has also become a hub for technology and innovation. It is often referred to as Canada's Silicon Valley due to its thriving tech sector, which includes numerous startups, tech companies, and two prominent universities, the University of Waterloo, as well as Wilfrid Laurier University. The region offers a range of recreational opportunities. The Grand River, which flows through the area, provides residents with an array of outdoor activities such as hiking, biking, and canoeing. Kitchener-Waterloo is also well-connected to the Greater Toronto Area by the highway and public transportation. Go Transit provides a commuter train service to and from Toronto, making it a popular option for those who work in the Toronto area but prefer the lifestyle of the quieter Kitchener-Waterloo area. At the time of his disappearance, Nathan was living in Toronto, Canada's largest city. This was most certainly a big life change for Nathan, who was used to living in Kitchener-Waterloo, which has a population of just over 500,000 people. Whereas Toronto has 2.9 million residents in the downtown core alone, and then 6 million people living in the greater Toronto area. But it's important to note that for Nathan, Waterloo was where he seemed to feel most at home. Nathan was born on February 10, 1986, at St. Mary's Hospital in Kitchener, Ontario, to his parents, Barb and James, who went by Jim. Nathan has an older sister named Chandra, who, according to Nathan's cousin, who we spoke to for this episode, was married when Nathan was five months old, so the age gap between the two children was significant enough to allow for that. After Chandra got married, she and Nathan did not spend a lot of time together. Growing up, Nathan lived with his parents in the Waterloo region until they both passed away. His mother, Barb, passed away in December of 2013, and his father, Jim, in December of 2022. 
Nathan takes pride in being an uncle to three nephews and one niece, as well as three great nieces and two great nephews. He also shared a special bond with his maternal grandparents before their passing. According to a close friend of Nathan's that we interviewed, Nathan was very close to his mother, Barb, and he loved her dearly. When she passed away in 2013, it hit him hard, and he carried that sadness for a long time. To remember her, he would keep his bedroom light on because it reminded him of how she used to tell him to turn it off at night. We asked Nathan's cousin, as well as his close friend, what Nathan is like as a person, and they both expressed that Nathan is an incredible person who absolutely loved being involved in the Waterloo community, and he would regularly attend church, participate in sports, and had a job at a diner. When at home, Nathan loved video games, particularly a wrestling game. Most people who are familiar with Nathan know him as a diehard Toronto sports fan. He made regular appearances at Toronto Raptors games, and his dance moves even landed him on the Jumbotron in 2016. There is a video of Nathan dancing at a Toronto Raptors game while his team played the Miami Heat. For over a full minute, Nathan danced in the aisle to Shut Up and Dance With Me by Walk the Moon. His moves were up on the scoreboard at center court. The groups of people in the seats around him are up on their feet and clapping to the beat, supporting Nathan. Nathan pulls out all the stops. He's doing all the classic moves, including the sprinkler, which goes both ways. From time to time, Nathan looks at his friends and then up at the Jumbotron with a look of joyous disbelief at his great fortune to be featured. Every time Nathan switches up his moves, you can hear the nearly 19,000 people in the Scotiabank Arena going crazy for Nathan. And Nathan had good reason to dance that night as his beloved Raptors were up 112 to 104 during his dance break. That night, Nathan was given a free ticket to another game by the Raptors organization uh, in hopes that he would dance yet again for them. Nathan's close friend was with him that night, and she shared with us that Nathan was treated like a rock star as he left the arena and walked back to the car. It was a moment that Nathan and his loved ones truly cherished. But Nathan wasn't just a Raptors fan. He also loved every other major uh, sports team in Toronto, including the Blue Jays and the Maple Leafs. His close friend told us that Nathan would never give up on the Leafs, no matter what, and that his knowledge and memory of sports information was more impressive than anyone they had ever met. And Nathan didn't just enjoy watching sports. He participated in basketball, curling, bowling, mini golf, and softball. Apparently, Nathan is really good at both lawn bowling and mini golf. Nathan is also known for his zest for life. He would walk into a room and instantly brighten up people's moods with his consistent smile, jokes, and infectious laugh. He has a way of making those people that are close to him feel cared for and feel loved and appreciated. And those who knew him said that connecting with others was one of Nathan's greatest strengths. So as we mentioned, Nathan is an adult living with Down syndrome in Canada. And while experiences differ widely and depend on a variety of factors such as individual abilities, family support systems, and access to resources, people with Down syndrome are generally fairly well supported in this country. But first off, what is Down syndrome? Down syndrome is a naturally occurring chromosomal arrangement that has always existed and is universal across racial, gender, and socioeconomic lines. One in every 781 babies born in Canada has Down syndrome. 
People with Down syndrome experience some intellectual disability, some delay in development, which can lead to things like delays in speech development or motor skills, as well as characteristic physical traits such as recognizable facial appearance and short stature. It's a common misconception that people living with Down syndrome have a short life expectancy. But with appropriate medical interventions and treatment, most individuals with Down syndrome can lead long, healthy lives. In 1983, the life expectancy for people with Down syndrome was around 25 years, but today the average is 60 years. However, like anyone else, there is no fixed life expectancy and some individuals with Down syndrome have reached their 70s and beyond. People living with Down syndrome are more at risk of health issues such as congenital heart conditions, gastrointestinal issues, childhood leukemia, respiratory infections, sleep apnea, thyroid issues, as well as hearing and vision impairments. There's also a very common misconception that people with Down syndrome are always happy, and this could not be further from the truth. Individuals with Down syndrome can obviously experience a range of emotions, including anger, sadness, embarrassment, and excitement. Contrary to the misconception that they are always happy, they actually face a higher likelihood of developing mental health conditions like depression, anxiety, and obsessive-compulsive behavior when compared to the general population. In Canada, individuals living with Down syndrome have access to healthcare services, including early intervention and specialized care. Children with Down syndrome have the right to inclusive education, and there are programs in place to support people and their learning needs. Some provinces have dedicated programs and resources to help individuals with Down syndrome throughout their education. There are numerous advocacy and support organizations across Canada, such as the Canadian Down Syndrome Society, or CDSS, and local Down Syndrome associations. These organizations provide valuable resources, information, and supports to individuals with Down syndrome and their families. Canada has also been working on improving employment opportunities for individuals with disabilities, including those with Down syndrome. Various employment programs and initiatives aim to provide equal access to the job market. And as is clear in Nathan's case, families often play a crucial role in the lives of individuals with Down syndrome, providing love, care, and support. So when Nathan lost both of his parents, it's easy to see that not only would he be experiencing the normal feelings of grief, but he also found himself without this incredibly important support system for the first time in his life. So as we mentioned, Nathan was very close with his mother, Barb, who passed away in 2013. And both his cousin and his close friend mentioned that Nathan struggled with the loss of his mom. After his mother's passing, Nathan and his father, Jim, got very close with the help of their church and friendship club. Between 2013 and 2022, Jim's health began to deteriorate. And as a result, Nathan spent a lot more time at home and less time doing the things that he enjoyed. According to Nathan's cousin, right before Jim passed away in December of 2022, Nathan's behavior changed. Here's a quote from his cousin. Nathan was even afraid to open the door to anyone, even to the delivery driver dropping off his dad's meds because he was afraid that somebody was going to kill him if he did. He thought that he was living in a TV show or a movie. If I, his cousin, would go to the door, he would open it for me and not the other family members. So unfortunately, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, Nathan lost his job at the diner that he was working at as a dishwasher. This was sad as Nathan loved that job. He also began to lose touch with his friends as his father was no longer able to drive due to his ailing health. 
Nathan's father, Jim, passed away in December of 2022, which left Nathan in the unfortunate position of having to find an alternative living situation. This is when the option of moving to Toronto was presented to Nathan. But Nathan expressed his reluctance to move to Toronto after his father's passing, a sentiment that he conveyed multiple times over the years. This came up particularly when his dad faced health issues, serving as a reminder of the inevitable. While his sister had offered both of them, so Nathan and their father, a place to live while their dad was still alive, Nathan declined. Even after his father's passing, Nathan initially resisted moving in with his sister, and this was primarily because he didn't know her and her family very well. And as you can imagine, for someone who loved routine like Nathan did, Waterloo represented a level of safety for him. This is where he spent most of his time with the two people he loved the most in the world, and now that they were both gone, he was presented with having to leave all of that safety behind, and this could be a daunting task for anyone. Nathan had a strong desire to continue living in his own home in Waterloo as he possessed the capability to live independently with some support, such as managing finances and maintaining personal hygiene. He could also handle basic food preparation and maintain friendships and relationships. However, after his father's passing, Nathan initially resided in a group home in the Waterloo region, and eventually as a family, it was decided that it would be best for Nathan to move in with his sister and his brother-in-law, in Toronto, as they represented his only immediate family remaining. We are now going to get into the timeline of Nathan's disappearance, and fair warning, there aren't very many details, and the ones that we do have are kind of murky. But here's what we do know from various news articles, as well as the information given to us by the family spokespersons. Nathan's cousin shared some details about the day leading up to Nathan's disappearance. Now, Nathan's disappearance is considered May 12th, 2023. So here's a quote from the cousin. In the days leading up to Nathan's disappearance, I had been in communication with his brother-in-law. They were visiting for the second time since Jim's passing to sort through Nathan's belongings and collect some photographs. The day before Nathan was reported missing, I had a conversation with his brother-in-law to arrange a reservation at a B&B owned by a friend of mine for the night of May 11th, 2023. Now, they informed me that another family member would be watching over Nathan for the night. However, they didn't arrive at the B&B until midnight on May 11, 2023. The delay was due to an unfortunate incident. Nathan's middle nephew had been involved in a motorcycle accident around 8 p.m. on the evening of May 11th, which was the original time that they had planned to leave for the B&B. So just to summarize here, Nathan's cousin states that leading up to Nathan's disappearance on May 12, 2023, he communicated with Nathan's brother-in-law, who was visiting to sort through Nathan's belongings and collect some photos following Jim's passing. The brother-in-law and Nathan's sister had planned to stay at a B&B on the night of May 11, 2023, but a delay occurred due to a motorcycle accident involving Nathan's middle nephew. They didn't arrive at the B&B until midnight on May 11, 2023, the day before Nathan went missing. So that same night on May 11, 2023, was the last time that Nathan was seen by his cousin, his aunt, and his uncle. And this was at a family dinner. Nathan had attended this dinner with his sister and her husband. Now keep in mind he was living with his sister and her husband during this time. 
Now, according to the police, Nathan was last seen on May 12, 2023 at around 7 p.m. in the Toronto area of Jane Street and Shepherd Avenue West. Now, we've seen this reported multiple times in various newspapers, and it always says in the area of Jane Street and Shepherd Avenue West. It doesn't say in his home or leaving his home or at a bus stop or walking down the street. It just says that he was in the area of Jane Street and Shepherd Avenue West. So it would be nice if we could get a more solid report on where he was actually seen. And I know that the Toronto Police Service are trying to be vague uh, around certain details um, due to the confidentiality in the Missing Persons Act. So we asked Nathan's cousin, who was it originally who reported Nathan missing? And he stated, to the best of my knowledge, his sister and brother-in-law didn't return home until 11 p.m. on May 12th. They explained that Nathan's bedroom door was shut, and because it was usual for him to keep the door closed when he slept, they didn't enter to check on him. On the morning of May 13th, his sister went to see him, only to find that he was not in his room. It was then that they reported Nathan as missing, informing the police that the last time that he was seen was around 7 p.m. on May 12th, 2023. The cousin goes on to say, I personally wasn't aware of his disappearance until 11 p.m. on May 13th when I contacted the Waterloo Regional Police. His sister and brother-in-law didn't reach out or call to inform us. However, his brother-in-law did respond to an email at 2 a.m. on May 14th stating, quote, Nathan is missing and I keep getting interrupted by people and will reach out when I have time. Some other important details to note here are that Nathan left both his phone and his wallet at home when he disappeared, and it's believed that he would have only had a $20 bill on him. So that's all we know about the timeline leading up to Nathan's disappearance. He was last seen in the area of Jane Street and Shepherd Avenue West around 7 p.m. on May 12, 2023. We are now going to take a quick break to check in with our sponsors. When we return, we will talk about the searches, the investigation, and where this case sits today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And we are back. So before the break, we outlined the life and disappearance of 37-year-old Nathan. 
Nathan is a person with Down syndrome, and according to police, Nathan was last seen on May 12th, 2023 at around 7 p.m. in the Toronto area of Jane Street and Shepherd Avenue West. It is believed that Nathan would have been traveling by foot, but he also knew how to use the transit system. The initial searches for Nathan were done in the immediate vicinity of where he was last seen. Police focused on a 300-meter-wide area around the intersection of Jane Street and Shepherd Avenue West before expanding that area to 500 meters. In an article posted by the CBC on May 17, 2023, duty inspector Ryan Ford said, Nathan has Down syndrome, and his functionality is at a 7-year-old level. So for someone with that type of need, our level of concern is ramped up. The police informed the public during a press conference that they were checking hospitals, canvassing areas with the help of a canine unit, and using drones alongside the missing persons unit during their searches. This was considered a level three search, which is the highest level search for any missing person. There was also a command post set up at a local community center. Unfortunately, no leads were uncovered during the initial searches of the immediate area where Nathan was last seen, and the police have since changed their tactics. They are now focused on CCTV footage and tips coming in from people who believe that they may have spotted Nathan. Speaking of sightings, there was an unconfirmed sighting of him in the Guelph, Ontario area. However, the family really wants to point out that there have been no confirmed sightings of Nathan since May 12th. For a sighting to be confirmed, Nathan must have been seen by someone who knows him personally to verify it as him, or there must be video footage. We asked Nathan's cousin about the searches and the family's experience with law enforcement, and he had the following to say. Numerous search efforts have been made to locate Nathan. These included searches on foot in Toronto, Kelso Conservation Area, and the Waterloo region. However, as time has passed and Nathan's whereabouts remain uncertain, these ground searches were discontinued because it was challenging to pinpoint where to look. In the beginning, we had a police officer who kept us informed, which was quite useful. However, when that support was withdrawn, we stopped receiving any updates from the police. Whenever we called to ask, we were told there was nothing to share. Eventually, we stopped making those calls because it felt like a pointless effort. We hope the police are still working on Nathan's case, but it's challenging to feel that way when they won't give us any updates, whether publicly or for the family. In both Toronto and the Waterloo region, Nathan's friends, family, and volunteers distributed and displayed missing persons flyers, which played a crucial role in raising awareness about his disappearance. Additionally, a Facebook group named Search for Nathan was initiated, and it involved contributions from his cousins, aunt, and uncle on his mom's side. This group has been instrumental in garnering support and sharing information about Nathan's disappearance. We, of course, will link the Facebook group in the show notes of this episode and urge our listeners to join it to show Nathan's family and loved ones that they aren't alone. The organization Please Bring Me Home has also taken on Nathan's case. As some of our listeners know, we have worked with this amazing group in the past. This past summer, in fact, we participated in multiple ground searches for missing people in our area that were organized by these good folks. On July 30th of this year, Please Bring Me Home posted to their Facebook page, Today, a small group of Please Bring Me Home investigators, directors, and searchers searched for Nathan with the guidance from a major advocate involved in the efforts to locate Nathan. As unfortunate as it is, as sad as it is, as terrible as it is, 
We searched today under one of the many theories being that Nathan went missing as the result of misadventure. We do this keeping hope at the forefront of our minds that Nathan is out there and that Nathan is okay. We did not locate any evidence of Nathan today. However, we were able to cross a high likelihood area for misadventure off of our list. We do have a few sites on the agenda, but remain hopeful that the theory of him being out there and alive to be the theory that is true. Don't give up. Remain hopeful. Now, before we move on to where things stand today with Nathan's case, there are a few more important details. First off, Nathan does know how to use public transit, but the family believes that he would have been traveling on foot. It is possible that he would ask people for rides, and keep in mind he left his wallet at home and he had limited funds on him, if any. He might have had a $20 bill on him. Some locations that Nathan is familiar with and are therefore locations of interest are as follows. Waterloo. This is where Nathan spent the majority of his life before he moved to Toronto after the death of his father. Nathan knows that he can access the internet and other services at public libraries. Malls would also be a place for him to find a break from the elements. He was particularly familiar with the Conestoga Mall in Waterloo, and I hope I'm saying that correctly. Another big part of Nathan's life was the church. He attended Woodside Church in Elmira. It's also possible that Nathan would seek out shelter at other churches. Nathan loves Tim Hortons, A&W, Dairy Queen, McDonald's, and Walmart, so there is potential that he would be drawn to those places of business as well. He is a friendly, well-spoken, and charismatic man, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that he'd be willing to ask strangers for help or engage in conversation. But we also need to keep in mind that Nathan seemed wary and fearful of others in the time leading up to his disappearance, so it's also possible that he's hiding or traveling at night to avoid being seen if he in any way feels like he might be in trouble. Today, in late October of 2023, while we record this episode, the family is still looking for answers. They're also trying to raise funds to amass a team to continue the search for Nathan. The police are also still very active in their investigation, and here's Nathan's cousin with the most recent police update. The update is that they are actively still on the case. They're still doing everything, and when tips come in, they are looking at those tips. So that's where they are. They are really looking hard for Nathan, and the police did say this has hit all of them very close to their hearts because of Nathan being a vulnerable person. Nathan's family is really struggling with his disappearance, and when they spoke to City News, they said that there have been many sleepless nights, many nights of laughter and memories, and a lot of crying. On September 16th, a family member posted the following message on the Facebook page, Search for Nathan. We are tired of trying to have to answer on behalf of Nathan's sister and brother-in-law, so here we go. We have had no contact from them in months. They have not been helping search and just want us to let it go. They were angry when we had groups going out to search when they just want it dropped, and even angrier that we tried alternative methods to find Nathan. There are a lot of parts of their story that do not match up, and without hurting the ongoing investigation, We wanted you all to know that the investigation is continuing. 
So with that, we asked Nathan's cousin as well as his friend what their theories are in regards to Nathan's disappearance, and here's what his friend had to say. At this point, Nathan has been missing for so long that it's hard to not imagine a worst-case scenario. Nathan has so many strong relationships with people and hasn't reached out to anyone that I know of. This is very unlike Nathan. Nathan was always in contact with people, whether it was texting, calling, or Facebook Messenger. Nathan's cousin, however, had a more ominous answer to our question. As cousins, we do have many theories about him missing. One of the theories is that he went for a walk and someone took him because he left his phone and wallet. The other theory, Nathan's sister and brother-in-law were very upset with the fact that Nathan had supposedly spent what would have been their inheritance from their dad's passing. We know that his brother-in-law was upset with him at times because of his poor hygiene, and he would tell us this. So perhaps there was an argument between family members or something else that sent Nathan out that night on his own. The family is not giving up hope that they will be able to find Nathan no matter the outcome. They are determined to find answers as well as some closure. Nathan's cousin was quoted in a City News article stating, We're absolutely hoping that we find him alive. But in a worst case scenario, we may not. We have to remember this is five months. The family has come to terms with this but it could happen. We could be finding him somewhere still alive. At the start of this episode, we discussed the insufficient infrastructure for alerts regarding missing vulnerable individuals, stating the need for Canada to enhance its alert system beyond Amber Alerts. In 2014, the BC NDP proposed a bill in British Columbia that would use location-specific emergency alerts for missing vulnerable persons, but that bill was put on hold. Similar legislation has been suggested at the provincial level in other provinces, such as Ontario, with MPP Monique Taylor proposing one in 2023. In 2020, the B.C. government committed to creating a silver alert system for missing seniors. The public safety minister, Mike Farnworth, was asked to oversee its development. However, three years later, this commitment remains unfulfilled, and there have been no updates on the steps that have been taken to make this a reality. Mike Farnworth did raise one issue with the alerts. This issue has also been discussed by other politicians. They question whether an excessive number of alerts can desensitize people over time, causing them to ignore these notifications. While we understand this concern, we believe that despite the potential for alert fatigue, it can be an essential support for families and loved ones of missing people. This critical first 24 to 48 hours when someone goes missing demands that we use technology to involve more people in the search, potentially making a significant difference. Nathan's cousin strongly believes that such an alert system should have been established long ago and would have been crucial in finding Nathan. In Canada, when a vulnerable loved one goes missing, families often struggle to get help. The current Amber Alert system is only for missing children. This leaves family with missing elders, those with cognitive issues, or people with disabilities in a difficult situation. We need a more robust system. The Amber Alert system, which is meant specifically for child abductions, doesn't fit the wide array of people who go missing in Canada. Without a broader alert system, families have to rely on their efforts to search for their missing loved ones, which can be tough, time-consuming, and further victimizes those who are already hurting. We should have a better system designed to help in these situations. 
We need this update now to make sure that no family has to go through the pain and the uncertainty of a missing loved one. It's about keeping our values and making our society more caring and supportive for everyone. The impact of Nathan's disappearance has hit so many people who knew him and loved him. Just scrolling through the Search for Nathan Facebook group makes it clear that Nathan has a lot of people who deeply care for him and desperately need answers. We asked Nathan's cousin and his friend to tell us their favorite memory of Nathan, and they both had the same memory to share with us, which we spoke about earlier. His friend stated, My favorite memory of Nathan happened at a Raptors game. Nathan is an excellent dancer and got on the Jumbotron. His moves were so good and so enjoyed by the crowd that he was up there for over a full minute. He was invited back to another game and got free tickets. After his dancing, people congratulated him during the game and on our way back to my vehicle. He brought joy to thousands of people, and if you know Nathan, you know that isn't surprising. He was on cloud nine after that game. He still talks about it so many years later. She also added, my second favorite memory is just driving Nathan anywhere in my car. He loved bumping the tunes and singing and dancing. He also loved to chat, and we had a lot of good talks about life while driving. When we asked Nathan's friend how she had been impacted by him going missing, she said, I'm devastated that he hasn't been found. I would give anything to see him show up at my door and just see his face. I want him to hang out with my children. I want to take him to McDonald's and just hang out. I just want him back in my life. I have so much guilt for losing touch with him and would do anything to go back in time to change that. I wish I had invited him to live with me after his father passed away, and I will live with that guilt forever. And here's what his cousin had to say about the impact on him and Nathan's other family members. It is truly unbelievable. It doesn't make sense that Nathan would disappear on his own and not reach out to his loved ones. It is incredibly scary to think about all of the possibilities. We are all devastated that he is still missing, with many sleepless nights for our families, including our children. There are also many nights that we don't even want to have a meal or go out in public. We have some mental health issues that we are all taking meds for to help get through all of this. We have also spent many nights at the hospital with chest pains as well. We all wish that we would have got him to stay with one of us so he would be in an environment that he would know. All we want is him home safe and sound so we can hear his laughter again. We asked people in the Search for Nathan Facebook group if they could share a memory or thoughts about Nathan, and here are some of those responses. I was his EA in grade 7 and 8. He has such a hearty laugh. He was a real joker and loved to joke around. He loved food and sports and dancing. I believe he was happy at school. My heart breaks for him. Another stated, I remember Nathan being such a kind young man. He lived at the same residential home as my daughter for a few months. Then just one day he was gone to Toronto, I guess. He was so well-liked by everyone there and so happy. He loved to have conversations. I am sick that he has gone missing and cannot figure why he ever left here. And another group member shared, Before COVID, I used to play lawn bowling with him and his dad. It was fun. I used to ride the bus with him. I remember how kind he was, how hearty his laugh was, and his warm smile. If you're wondering how you can help in the search for Nathan, there are a few things that you can do. Here's a message from Nathan's cousin. 
If you know anything, please reach out to the Toronto Police, Crime Stoppers, or the organization Please Bring Me Home. Join the Facebook group, search for Nathan for updates, and find out more on how you can help. Keep talking about Nathan so we can find him. We also have a GoFundMe to help bring Nathan home and to help with bringing in private search teams and with clerical costs. We as a family still search and read any tips that come in daily. If you think you've seen Nathan or think you saw something in the Jane and Shepherd West area of Toronto around May 12th, 2023, when he went missing, or have talked to him at any coffee shop or fast food shops or a mall, or talked to him before that and remember what you talked about, that could help police. Please contact them. Nothing is too small of a tip. Please note that we will link the Facebook group and the GoFundMe in the show notes of this episode. The Toronto Police can be reached at 416-808-2222 and Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. Please Bring Me Home also has an anonymous tip line at 1-226-702-2728. At the time of his disappearance, Nathan is described as a 37-year-old male who is living with Down syndrome. He is 4 foot 6 inches tall and weighs around 170 pounds. He had brown hair and a full beard and mustache when he was last seen. We will be posting photos, videos, and Nathan's missing poster to our social media at TNTCPod on both X and Instagram. As we mentioned at the top of this episode, the Canadian Down Syndrome Society is an amazing resource and do important work across the country. You can use their website, cdss.ca, as a resource. They also accept donations, corporate sponsorships, and offer many ways to help. So please check out that site. Now that's all we have for this episode of True North True Crime. We will be back soon with a new episode. So until then, stay safe, everyone. Stay safe. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.